0: Whip.
1: I got a fever, and the only prescription is more cowbell.
0: So you know how to walk, you
1: know how to dance. Every dance. With Welcome to another episode of This Week in Salsa. Welcome to all my fellow salsa dancing addicts. Today on the show, we have Corey Gray, formerly of the Boston, Massachusetts Salsa Scene, now the San Francisco slash Oakland Salsa Scene. Corey, thanks for joining us today.
0: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
1: Absolutely. And Corey, we've known each other for a few years now. We've danced at a couple of congresses and you're someone I definitely wanted to get in on the show because you're someone who really has taken up the topic of salsa as well as just education of dance in general. Um, I know you're going to school for dance right now. You definitely seem like a, a student in multiple ways about about dance. So I definitely want to get you on the show and just share a little bit of your perspective with the listeners.
0: Absolutely, so. absolutely.
1: To, to get started, though, tell us where you come from, a little bit about your history with dancing. So when did you first get into uh, dance in general? Because I imagine you probably were doing something before salsa. And then when did you actually get exposed to salsa dancing?
0: Well, I've been dancing for about 20 years overall. Um, I did start dancing hip hop before salsa, way before salsa, way before really any other style. <laughs> That Um,
1: explains so much. I didn't know you danced (laughs) hip-hop. Okay.
0: I know. It was such a novel idea. Um, Yeah, I I did. And I started when I was quite young. I started training with this guy named Wyatt Jackson. And I fell in love with it. And I really thought that I was going to be a hip-hop dancer for the rest of my life. I was training for it. I was taking classes. I started teaching when I was 16. I was just really all in it. Um, And then I discovered salsa and, and then everything changed. And then I realized that I could fuse both of them and And that really was what I wanted to do. And, um, but it took me probably about 10 years of dance before I discovered salsa. And I discovered salsa about eight years ago. And it was sort of the accumulation of everything I had ever learned in dance all put into one with a really interesting technique that I was just fascinated with. So once I moved to Boston, I started dancing salsa, but prior to that, I was in a very small town in Berkshire County, Massachusetts, where there wasn't really a whole lot of dance. And I started dancing hip-hop and then um, moved to Maine and started teaching in Maine and then realized that I needed to go to a city. So I moved to Boston. I was part of a hip-hop company called United Styles, and we did a routine at a West Coast swing event. And the West Coast swing event First got me into partnering, but really the hip hop routine, we had a little bit of a a salsa connection uh, within it, just a little little tidbit of salsa dancing. And I I mean, right from there, I was addicted. So about a week later, I decided to go out.
1: (laughs) Cool. So we'll definitely get more into the salsa, but I want to know, you said 10 years for hip-hop, yeah?
0: Yeah, about. mm -hmm. Okay.
1: What are, gosh, that's a long time to be in another kind of art form and making that switch over. So what would you say are the transferable skills? What did you take from hip-hop dancing that gave you a leg up in learning salsa dancing?
0: Everything. Really everything. (laughs) I I don't think that I can dance uh, mambo or, or salsa without hip hop, I I don't think that I'm capable of it. I took um, waving, popping, locking. I took um, the idea of sharp versus smooth. I took the idea of isolations, being able to isolate different parts of your body, Uh, the connection with music, the connection with moving your body in a way that was personal to you rather than what everyone else was saying should be done or what needed to be done. Uh, hip-hop's all about, you know, the internal energy and the external energy that you can share with others and um, and how you relate to others and how you relate to the music and your body. And and I really feel like that was completely transferable into um, all different kinds of salsa and, and specifically mambo for sure. That I really just took everything that I knew, put it into mambo, and then before I knew it, I had a fusion a fusion style that led me to where I am today.
1: Hmm. So with, when you learn to dance hip hop, because I'm thinking about salsa, right? With most people, when they learn to dance salsa, the first thing they do is they teach them the basic step. They mm-hmm. teach them the counts. It's almost like the feeling of the music is something that comes very much later in mm-hmm. salsa. Mm-hmm. And as you get more advanced, is it the same approach with your teacher? Wyatt? do you take that approach? Or was it from day one? Hey, here's how the music feels, interpret the music. What, what were the differences in teaching styles?
0: I definitely try to emphasize music from the very beginning, but I understand that it's very difficult to to grasp that concept when you're trying to learn a dance. Uh, for some people, I think some people can pick it up very quickly, but I think that it's always important to at least talk about it so that even if it's too much information and, and a student can't get it, you know, a couple of months, years down the road, they will remember, Oh, right. I, I've always been told about the music and, and now I'm starting to understand what that means. And some people get it right away. I think hip-hop was so everything that I used to, the styles that I used to dance would relate directly to the music. There was a hit in the music. There was a, an, an isolation that you would do. Or um, sometimes it was a juxtaposition with the music. And sometimes it went directly to the music. So I think that teaching styles, I I always emphasize hip-hop and and the music always went together and and that was sort of how it was and in in mambo when i when i teach salsa now it's it's very it's a little bit more difficult to explain um how that connection happens just because you're trying to explain the basic steps you're trying to explain connection and partner work and and um footwork and arms and everything it's just so much that the music on top of that doesn't always go through but i do like to emphasize it cuz i think it's incredibly important you i think that you can't really have one without the other so you need you need to at least talk about it even if it's sort of a little cloudy at the beginning
1: yeah and and when i when i think about different dance styles i think about the fundamental differences right and the biggest difference that jumps out to me about hip hop versus salsa is the the partner work right mm-hmm. you don't really I imagine there maybe is a little bit of partner work in hip hop if you want to get creative, but it's a lot of individual dancing. So that's got to be a major challenge. And I I imagine the learning curve for salsa is slower Mm -hmm. uh, for that reason, more challenging, because with hip hop, you are interpreting. It's like communicating with just yourself, whereas with salsa, you really have to learn to communicate with another partner. Mm -hmm. And you, too, kind of have to become one with the dance. So there are three, three elements versus maybe just the two in hip hop being you and the dance.
0: Absolutely. And I think one of the biggest challenges hip hop dancers a lot of times face when they move into partner work dance, whether it's, you know, whatever style of partner work dance it is, but specifically when they're dancing mambo is that with hip hop, you're you're used to using your own body in relation to the music at all times. And so if you have to think about another person, I can't always use my arms in the way that I want to use them because I have to think about my partner. And if I move my arms in relationship in, in relation to the music, it may interrupt the lead follow, and, and then that becomes a disaster. So one of the things that you do have to realize is that although you're feeling this music in your body and you want to be able to style the way that you want to be able to style with, you have to... On top of that, and first and foremost, think about your partner. You have to think about the connection. You have to think about, okay, um, and, and not all of these are conscious decisions in the moment. It's, it's a trained technique that you have to work with over years, but um, sometimes you do make a decision. I, I want to hit something with my body, but I realize, okay, I'm in this, um, I'm in a hammer lock and I, I can't move my right arm because if I move my right arm, then that's going to break the connection. Um, so then you have to translate it into your feet or your or your shoulders or your head or somewhere else in your body. Um, but very often that just has to happen rather than be a conscious decision. So you have to always put your partner work first.
1: Right. So then I we're going to talk more about hip hop dancing for sure today, mm-hmm. but I want to move on to this point where you did get involved with salsa. So. Tell me about your first salsa class, your first couple of classes, what those were like. Did you pick things up very quickly? Was it uh, painful? Were you in what what I like to call salsa hell for a little while, where you just weren't really making much progress? Uh, Tell me about those first couple of weeks and months of exposure to salsa.
0: I would say that I was in salsa heaven from the first (laughs) song. I really just, I was so in love with it. And um so the first time I ever really danced, I, I didn't take a lesson. I, I went out dancing. Um, I missed the lesson. I, I had planned on going. And and I just I, – I saw a couple of people dance. One person asked me to dance, and I didn't really know what I was doing, but I was sort of looking around, and I was pretty quick to pick it up. Um, I had – being a dancer for so long, you learn how to move your body In relationship to how others are moving their body. It's, you know, it's how a student learns from a teacher and um, how people can learn from videos and all sorts of things. So you learn, you don't learn the specific technique about it, but you do can, I, I can learn the overall steps. Um, and so one person asked me to dance and we danced and I sort of fumbled through it. And then literally I just went down the line and asked every single person to dance (laughs) after that, just one after the next, after the next, after the next, um, you know, and I got a lot of rejections that night, but I also got a lot of people who said yes. Um, and I, I told them this is my first time dancing ever. And, you know, looking back on that, there were a lot of really sweet people to dance with me that first night because, I know that um, that's not always the case when someone says I've never danced before uh, or never danced salsa, but um, I had yeah. a lot of fun. And then from there, I, I took a couple of classes um, in Boston and I just, I started going out five or six nights a week probably and uh, watching videos and, and taking a couple of classes. I mostly learned on the dance floor um, and sort of the technique classes came a few years later. Um, I would say training I I haven't really taken too many classes but I've trained with people individually so that's where a lot of my technique comes from but um I really just that the idea of the salsa bug hitting you and you getting addicted is no joke and it it certainly happened to me and it was it was very intense at the beginning and I mean you know eight years later I'm still doing it and now I'm getting my my master's and my thesis is going to be about salsa so it's it's still there for sure. And I can talk to you for hours about it. So it,
1: it's yeah, stuck we're, with we're, me. We're going to have to have you back on the show when that thesis is complete. We'll talk about that a little bit. <laughs> okay. I'm curious to hear what you, what you came up with. And <laughs> when you were when you were describing those, it reminded me very distinctly of someone else who was very well known in the South community, which is Magna Gopal. Mm-hmm. So I've seen several interviews with her where she talks about her initial days and weeks and months learning salsa. First of all, a lot of it was learned on the dance floor. She primarily learned through social dancing. So Mm -hmm. I am a firm believer that social dancing is the best way to learn. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then also she was saying the biggest thing that drove her forward was just not having a fear of rejection Mm -hmm. and also not a fear of judgment. So those two working in combination, that is, she went and asked everyone to dance, same as you, some guys turned her down, but a lot said yes, but just having no fear to dance with anyone. Mm -hmm. And then when you are dancing, just not having a fear that people are judging you, just Mm -hmm. being willing to express yourself. She was saying that those those specific things really helped propel her forward in, in her learning. It sounds like with you, it did much the same.
0: It did. It really did. And I I would say a fear of rejection comes with the territory and it's it's going to happen and it's going to come up randomly, but but you can't let that stop you. You just can't.
1: See, I was never really afraid of that because Salsa, it was evidently very, very clear from day one when I got exposed to this community that the culture was not like a club, like a grungy club where you Mm -hmm. go up and ask a girl to dance or you just start grinding up on her Mm -hmm. and she'll a lot of times just turn you down right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's not like that. I mean, the vast majority of people do say yes when you dance and it's somewhat in most scenarios frowned upon if the women reject the man to dance, because we're all learning. We're all trying to get better. That being said, I, I do think that there are certainly times that the women should say no to, uh, to someone dancing. So it's not like you always say yes, mm-hmm. but, uh, but that was something very clear from day one in the community that made it very, uh, very welcoming, very welcoming environment for me.
0: I think it is. It, it's, it showed on the very first day that I went. I was going up to so many people saying, "This is my first night ever dancing salsa. Would you like to dance?" And I had so many people say yes. It is a very, very welcoming community, and I do think that that needs to be carried on for sure. Every, you know, we I think everyone should have. Should have a policy about saying no. And I, I, I really hate to say no. I, I try my hardest not to do it. The only time I really will do it if I really need some water or if I really just, my, my feet are going to fall off and I have to sit down for five or 10 minutes. Um, but other than that, I, I really try to say yes. And I, I do think that the best, like you said, the best social dancing does happen on the floor, but I also think that um, you need to have an idea of what you're working towards so that if you're learning on the floor, you know what you're practicing, and and maybe you learned something in a class that you're practicing, or you've seen something that you're trying to get. Um, whereas going out, maybe it's just not a, a you know, you, you don't want to go out and then just stall because all you're doing is social dancing. You want to always be working towards something.
1: Mm. Yeah, and, and as far as working towards something, one of the I guess one of my approaches when I was first learning was to have a very clear um, person that I wanted to model my dancing after. And I've heard some people say that that's not necessarily the best way to do it. For me, it was very beneficial to have that visual model, like could YouTube all over the place. It was Neri, uh, Neri Garcia is the one that I modeled a lot of my dancing after in the Mm -hmm. beginning. Mm -hmm. But for me, I found that having that model in the, in the beginning to say, okay, here's what my ideal looks like Mm -hmm. and just try to model as much of my dancing as I could after. And then eventually I began to find my own voice, find my own style a little bit more and bring other elements into it. But How do you feel about that, about when you say what you're working towards, actually having a specific person? Did you have a specific dancer that you really liked from online, from YouTube, that that you modeled your dancing after? Or was it more focusing on the different techniques and not so much the people?
0: I didn't have necessarily one specific person. Um, I, I would look at some videos and I would see some performances. And what I really modeled my dancing after was, was the energy of some dancers. And it, it wasn't necessarily specific styles or um, how certain dancers looked. It, it was more the energy that I saw that they were emitting, that they were, you know, mm-hmm. showing to the world while they were dancing and specifically with their partners the, the, the dances that I loved most would be when you could see physically see the connection between the two people. Um, and I loved that. And I I still love that. And I think that that's one of the most amazing things about salsa is, is your connection and, and the fact that you can have this, this real, almost it's, it's almost tangible (laughs) that you can really see it and you can feel it. And, and it's, it's there. And so I would see people social dancing and they may not even, you know, they, it may have just been someone who's just learning, but if they had a connection with their partner and a connection with the music, I, I was hooked. And I, I, I always wanted to model my dancing after that idea rather than, rather than one person. And I have a lot of people that I admire. Um, and I think there are a lot of people that I would love to, you know, get some moves from or, or train with, but I, I think that overall, I, I liked specifically their connection and their energy and, and um, their relationship with the music. That was always huge with me too. If someone had um, a, a beautiful connection to the music, I was just immediately in awe and I would immediately just watch them the entire time. Um, so I, I always wanted to have that connection as well, which is, you know, which I think stems from hip hop as well. But I, I think that um, for sure it it had a lot to do with when I was watching others dance,
1: Mm. so what what were some of the places that you trained at and that you went to classes at in Boston because you said that you did not so much on the class side but more on the training side you mm-hmm. were exposed to some of those people in Boston. Were you going to the masacotes and the Salsi controls up there, or was it was it others up there? What was your exposure on the on the academic side?
0: Um, I took a few classes when I was beginning with Southea control um, and I took a couple of classes from Masakote as well. But my, my main training started uh, when I started going to New York. I started um, going every weekend to New York and I would take some classes there. Still, I would mostly go social dancing, but um, I would take Eddie's class here and there um, or Maria's class. and um, And then I would go out dancing in New York, which certainly helped. Occasionally, when I was first starting, I would go with the go to the class before the social, but those proved to not really be beneficial specifically to me just because of where I was in dance and, and the target audience. Um, I think that very often they're very helpful. But for me at the time I found I got much more out of a, a regular class outside of a social, but I will say that a lot of my training came when I started working with um, Nietzsche from Boston, Carlos Acevedo. Uh, I would say that we worked a lot together. We worked for about a year and a half together and and he definitely helped me with my technique. At that point, I had had a lot of experience social dancing but I was pretty sloppy and I didn't really have um, a whole lot of technical control. Um, I was more of a, a hip hop dancer living in a salsa world rather than an actual salsa dancer. Um, so he definitely helped me a lot um when creating when working on routines we we worked a lot on technique and we worked a lot on um, on training specific body parts to do things that might make moves easier or quicker um, and 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 we we approached a lot of different technical styles he had he had his technical style and I had my idea of of a lot of a, a lot of technical abilities. And so we combined those, or I combined those, I, I should say. He helped me with what he felt was, was some of the best techniques. And I, I took what worked with my body, because I think that a, a dance style or dance styles like salsa, there's not one specific technique. Everyone teaches different techniques. So having it come from sort of a street dance there's really not one technique that works best i 'm sure some people will say there is, but I think that there are a lot of techniques that can certainly work just as well and and a lot of them have very, very small differences, so it was taking the ideas that everyone else was teaching me and and applying it to what worked for my body
1: hmm. so what what were some of the biggest like aha so when you were learning um were there multiple spins that took you a while or what were some of the things that you really struggled with technique wise that, that took maybe a little while to, to pass over?
0: Definitely spinning for sure. That, that took me a while. I, when I was in, when I was being trained as a a contemporary dancer, hip hop dancer, I was never a good spinner. I just, I could get one or two, maybe two, but they were never clean. And I really just couldn't do it. I I understood the idea of, of my center and spotting, and I understood it all, and I could do it all. But for some reason, I just couldn't figure it out. I couldn't get there. Um, so spinning took me a long time to get. And I, I, there wasn't really one aha moment, but I do remember there were a couple of different times where I realized, oh, that that's how that works. Okay, so... If I'm on my center, then that means that my foot has to be here and my body has to be here. And and it really was about finding the exact way it worked for me specifically, because you can have 25 different teachers give you spin, spinning drills over and over and over again. But if you're not finding out what specifically works for you, then it's not going to work because your body is different. Your alignment is different. Your feeling is different. Your history is different. Your exposure to dance is different and it all accumulates. You know, you, you, you turn differently in ballet than you do in hip hop. You turn differently in, in modern than you do in, in mambo. And it it really, they're all very different and you have to learn the best way, the best way for yourself. So that took me a long time. That's true.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, and and just like your body's different, the way that you learn is different. I actually just wrote a post about this, uh, published it yesterday, actually, where Magna, again, talks about this. Man, I swear, I stole all my best ideas from Magna. <laughs> but uh, she talks about the three main ways that we learn, which is audio, visual, and kinesthetic, right? Yes, and if you have an instructor who is trying to teach you in an audio way where they're describing, hey, here's the technique I do, and they're just talking to you. And for me, I'm definitely kinesthetic. I need to be doing it. I need to be feeling my partner and doing it. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's not going to work for me. So part of it, I think, as well as finding that fit with an instructor who can teach in the way that you need to learn, unless you're willing to go through that very long and arduous process of trying to make another non-ideal, like a visual route or an audio route, your ideal way to learn, it's going to take you a lot longer to get good at this stuff versus understanding yourself and understanding, okay, here's the best way I learn. I need to find instructor who they teach this way.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I, I 100% agree with that idea and that process. And I think that it's very difficult and sometimes it's even hard to come to terms with the way that you learn because I think some people think that one way is better than another or that we all should be learning in this way, but it's just not the case. And so it takes some people a long time to realize how they learn. And I, I can't learn by audio. If you sit there and talk to me, it will go in one ear and out the other. And, and I just, I can't get it into my body. I, I do need to see it, but I, I'm, I definitely am a kinesthetic learner as well. It needs to get into my body. I need to be able to do it. And I think that that's really important because if you don't know that, then you can get very frustrated with the way that you're learning. And, and someone can get very frustrated with the way that they're teaching as well, because, you know, to have a good teacher, you should be able to approach something in many different ways. And you should be, as a teacher, you should also be able to recognize when a student isn't learning something. And then it's, I believe it's your job to approach it in a different way.
1: Mm-hmm. Right. So what what's your obsession now? Uh, That is what about because you've been doing this for seven, eight years. What is the thing that when you're in the studio, you really like to practice that you really like to watch videos about? Just what is your main thing that, you know? This is something I really like. I haven't mastered it yet, but I, I really enjoy doing this. And for me uh, to proceed is pachanga. I've, I've really gotten into pachanga over this past year. I'm still not all that good at it, but it's one of these skills that I just really love watching the dance. Everything from Adolfo and, and a lot of these other people when they do this pachanga. it's something that is very challenging for me. But I really enjoy that dance. Is there anything like that that you're going through right now?
0: I would say that two of the biggest things that I work on is I have very long limbs and that tends to not be so good in salsa because even if I keep my, my arm bent and the connection is still there, I still very end up, I, I very often end up being a little bit further from my partner than I would like to be. And it's something that, that is, is fixable. I just, um, I constantly have to work on it because Everything, my arms and legs are very long in proportion to my torso. So when you're dancing a partner dance, even if that connection is still there, if my partner wants to do something quick with a turn pattern, I have to be close. And, and sometimes I'm not. So I'm I'm definitely, definitely always working on staying close to my partner and not traveling so far because I, I'm known for traveling quite a bit <laughs> as well. <laughs> um, and then I would also say that, that I, I don't think that I will ever – I don't think anyone ever masters, Oh, well, I, I don't want to say master, but um, I'm always working on my connection to the music because I think that that's something that even if you quote unquote master it, it can always be honed. That skill can always be tuned. It can always be bettered and, and you can continuously work on your connection to the music. And because even if you've mastered the idea of connecting with the music there's always more music and there's always different ways to connect yeah. so I think that that's something that yeah. we should all continue to strive for because it's so important and the, the closer that you get to the music um the closer you are to the dance and I think that that that's something that can always be worked on well and and
1: speaking of that what what about the music what are some of your favorite artists some of your favorite styles of sauce music i imagine i heard mambo several times so we're talking you know late 60s early 70s kind of stuff fania stuff what what do you mm-hmm. listen to what do you enjoy most dancing to
0: um definitely mambo for sure um late 60s early 70s is is sort of my favorite era but but i would say i really listen to a lot i i listen to you know, Boogaloo, I really, really, really love Boogaloo for sure. But I think that more so than one style, because I've tried to contain myself to one style and it's just a disaster. I end up, you know, finding another song that I'm like, Oh, this is amazing. And the connection is, is wonderful. And so I think that keeping it to one style or even just a couple of artists is, is very, very difficult. Um, I would say we just saw Spanish Harlem Orchestra in L.A. at the Congress this weekend and and their music at the time that day was probably my favorite music, <laughs> you know, but I know I've seen <laughs> El Gran Combo play at New York City and uh, uh, the New York Congress. And, and that day, that was my favorite music. <laughs> so I, I think that it really depends on the day and it depends on on how I'm feeling and my connection. And um I don't think that I even really have a favorite artist because I think that very often a lot of artists can become my favorite for the time that I'm dancing. So as, as odd as that is, I, I do think that my, my favorite can switch, um, very quickly (laughs) and it, and it switches because (laughs) it's based on, It's based on how I'm feeling that day. It's based on uh, the partner that I have. It's based on the music levels, you know, whether I'm in a Congress, whether I'm in a social, it really just depends on the feeling and, and um, the, the connection that I have. Um, And I would say that changes pretty quickly from day to day.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Actually, tell me about uh, the uh, the L.A. Congress. So you went to the L.A. Congress this past weekend, Spanish Harlem Orchestra played. I did not know that. I know Toby Love was there as well. I mean, yeah. tell me about the, the whole environment there. I've never it been was, out to L.A. Oh, uh,
0: It was wonderful. It was really um, living in living in Northern California. Now I, I do a lot of I'm, I've been traveling down to L.A. a lot more, which I had never actually danced in L.A. before I moved out here. Um, it was always New York. So now that I'm here, I'm I'm really loving getting to know the scene all of the scenes, especially in LA and and San Francisco. And it's been really nice to get to know a bunch of friends down there. And, and going to the Congress was just, it was really an amazing experience. I, I probably danced, you know, 35 hours in four days. (laughs) It just, or, you know, maybe even more. And, um, the people were so great the music was fantastic the the vibe and the atmosphere um was really really wonderful we had a group come in from France that i spent the weekend with that were just um not only phenomenal dancers but just really really amazing people and, and it's one of the best things about congresses and, and a congress or you know a festival like los angeles now um an international festival is just really quite an amazing experience, um, not only for dancing, but also just getting to know friends and, and learning about the lives of salsa dancers outside of salsa. Um, if we even have lives outside of salsa and, um, and it was, it was really wonderful. I had some amazing dances. Um, I really had a wonderful connection to the music. Uh, I got basically no sleep, but I'm okay with that. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> I cannot wait until next year. It's, it's really a wonderful, a wonderful event that, um, Albert Torres puts on. So I enjoyed it a lot and I would recommend it to anyone and everyone that hasn't been to LA. <laughs> so.
1: Last year, which was my favorite Congress that I've ever been to, how do those two compare? Which one would you choose? Or even in general, your, your favorite Congress, New York, Orlando, I know I've seen you at, uh, mm-hmm. San Francisco, which other ones have you been to and which would you say is your, your favorite?
0: Um, one of my favorites was definitely, um, the Punta Cana Salsa Congress in the Dominican Republic. That was, um, quite a week to remember. It just, I think it's because everyone is away from home or most everyone is away from home. Everyone is just surrounded by salsa. You go to, you know, you go to the pool and there's salsa playing all day long. Then you go to dinner and there's salsa playing and then you go to the performances and then you go to social dancing. So it's really just, you know, four or five days of, of just constant immersion and this, there's the sun and, and everyone's in just such a great mood. And I, I would say that um, some of the best dances and some of the best energy I've ever had was definitely at that Congress. Um, I also had a lot of fun because I didn't really know anyone. Um, very often at Congresses. you run into friends, which, which definitely has its perks, but it's also a lot of fun to go to a Congress and not really know anyone. Uh, that would you forced to make new friends and you're forced to meet new dancers and you're forced to dance in a different way than you normally would. Um that was definitely one of my favorites. I always have fun at the New York Congress. That's um definitely one of has been one of my f- favorites consistently year after year. Um the Orlando one for sure. We had we had a lot of fun in Orlando um getting to meet all of my friends' friends and and I know that you know now I know a bunch of people from Florida since then. Um and that was a lot of fun, but that was also because you went I went with a group and and I I went with a bunch of friends and, and, and we just kind of did everything together. And it was a a very social weekend, which was always a lot of fun. And yeah, that was, that was a wonderful Congress. It really was looking back on it. It's been a couple of years now though, since I've been to Orlando
1: it has. It has. Yeah. I'll be, I'll be in New York this year, by the way, as well. So you out there, you going to uh, do the cross country.
0: Probably. Um, there is a chance that I'll be going to the San Diego Congress. Okay. Um, but if not, I will be at one or the other. <laughs> it just depends on which one, at this point.
1: <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, and it's, it's unbelievable. Uh, you, one thing that you said that I really keyed in on was that you went to a Congress without knowing anybody. Mm-hmm. And that is, that is normal. Like I've, I've done that before too. And it's, I couldn't imagine myself doing something like that before I got into salsa, mm-hmm. but now you, you just kind of know what you're going to get you're going to get very friendly people who have a common set of values to what you have, and everyone's very sociable, everyone likes to meet each other. there isn't really a lot of that uh, social tension and social anxiety in meeting new people like there is uh, in a lot of other social settings yeah. uh, it's It's really unbelievable how you can uh, how you can just go somewhere and make friends. And this is with congresses or just going to random cities. I mean, I do a lot of traveling for my non-salsa day job. And when I go there, I just look up the local clubs and go to the local salsa nights. And I always meet at least two or three really interesting, very friendly people, mm-hmm. connect on Facebook. And now I have friends in a lot of different cities.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's absolutely true. When I, when I tell people who aren't in the salsa scene that that I go out to a club by myself at night. (laughs) I mean, the looks that you (laughs) get (laughs) are, are quite interesting, but you're right. It's, it's, it's normal and it's, it's safe and it's so much fun. And, and very often that's the way to do it because, um, I mean, if you're in your own scene, you end up meeting up with friends, but, but if you're not in your own scene, you end up making friends instantly, immediately. I mean, being a partner dance, there's no way that you can't make friends because, you know, you ask someone to dance, someone asks you to dance and you instantly start talking, even if it's not verbally talking, you're talking, you're having a connection, you're having a communication through the dance. And sometimes that leads to to verbal talking. And sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes you have a communication on the dance floor and then you never see that person again, but you're constantly meeting new people and you're constantly talking to new people. And, and there's just such a wealth of of fascinating, interesting, warm, welcoming people within the salsa community all over the world. And it really is worth exploring. And sometimes the only way to do that is to just go out there by yourself and start exploring.
1: Absolutely. So I want to end on a couple of just rapid fire questions that I ask everybody. Sure. So the first one is favorite dance style.
0: Uh, Mambo.
1: Mambo, okay. Gotcha. Uh, number two biggest pet peeve uh when you dance with people what's the one thing that when you're dancing with men that you just don't really enjoy that you see a lot of
0: um the fact that I feel like we're dancing two different songs
1: (laughs) (laughs) okay sounds like you have some experience with that does that happen a lot
0: um not a lot but um it does happen and and it happens when um and, and I don't want to say I don't want to say necessarily someone who's learning to dance, because if you're learning to dance, I understand that you're <laughs> you're focused on your steps or you're focused on the counts. Um, but if you're social dancing and you and you sort of um, have learned the craft to an extent, whatever extent that may be, um, I w- I want to really dance and I want to be able to have a connection with my partner. And sometimes sometimes um, I feel like my partner is doesn't care about the connection and they're and they're just interested in in, you know performing this turn pattern that they learned in class or, 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 okay. or, you know, which has its time and place for sure. But I, I feel like sometimes an entire song can go by and we just dance two different songs yep. and, and, you <laughs> know, <sure>. yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: So the the last question is actually, I take that back. This is a two parter. So <laughs> the first one is you not only dance salsa, you dance other styles, but you also are obviously going to school for this. So Mm -hmm. you said that it's really tough to master things, right? But I imagine that through your education as well, there are maybe things that you know a lot more about than the typical salsa dancer. Mm -hmm. What is maybe one or two nuggets of information when it comes to either salsa, as you've seen from your academic research, from your thesis, if we can get a little bit of a a preview of that, Mm -hmm. but what's one or two things that are, are real nuggets of, of knowledge that you think will be beneficial to the listeners?
0: I would say the first thing is to understand what a fusion dance really means. Um, and salsa as an umbrella of dances is, are absolutely, it's, it's, it's a fusion dance and everything that comes within it, um, LA style, New York style, Puerto Rican, Cuban, it's all, um, they're all fusion dances. And I think that sometimes we've, as dancers, as salsa dancers, forget that. And we think that there is um, one way to go about it. And there really isn't. There really isn't. Anywhere in the world that you go, people are going to have a slightly different view on it. Um, and people are going to think differently. And and being in, in a, I'm in a very strict modern um, MFA program, Master of Fine Arts. And it has really opened my eyes to what a fusion dance really means and what it is because I, I've been working with with very classical styles of modern and ballet and and uh, contemporary dance and and I would say that it has opened my eyes more to what it means to be a fusion dance and everything that that entails. And part of my uh, thesis is going to be about the idea of fusion dances and I, I'm, I'm going to end up paralleling hip-hop with mambo As I go through my research and I'm, I'm going to discuss that basically as, as a fusion dance, you are continuously creating the future. There's, there's no way to, to live in the past. If you are dancing a fusion dance, because you're constantly, you, you, you're forced to stay in the present. Um, you're you're taking from the grandfathers of both dances. You're putting it all together. You're relating to a song. You have a different partner every single time. You have a different song every every single dance. Um, and your move your moves are different. The energy is different. Um, the the timing is different. So you're you're always creating the future, and you're always staying in the present. And and I think that sometimes, or not sometimes, I think a lot of times we and I lose sight of that. And and it's something that you have to remember. You have to be able to fully stay in the present and really understand what it means to dance these styles that have come from uh, the Caribbean, Africa, West Africa, um, that have been changing over time and, and morphing into different styles, multiple styles over time. And it's really important to know that. And I think that a program like Mills College has for graduate dancers Um, has definitely shown me the importance of a fusion dance and keeping that, keeping that alive and what that really means rather than trying to um, put it under in one specific box. It has Mm -hmm. to be this style. It has to be, you know, these moves have to happen, you know, so-and-so. Gotcha. If that makes any sense.
1: (laughs) It it makes a ton of sense. (laughs) Now, before we do go, I just wanted to ask, is there anything that you're uh, doing, any projects you'd like to promote here on the show, anything that you're uh, you're doing maybe in the local San Francisco community or anything you'd like to talk about uh, before we before we end?
0: Well, you know what? I've actually taken a little bit of a break from teaching. Um, being in graduate school is no easy feat. And I would say that um, um, over the next year, I'm really going to focus on my research within these dance styles and there's not a whole lot of research out there on the, on, on the dance, on, on salsa dancing in general, whatever style it may be. There's a ton of research on the music and um, the history and, and the contextual individual directions it's, it's gone through, but there's not a whole lot on the dance. So I actually am taking a break from teaching and, and choreographing and I'm going to focus on the academic side a little bit more um so I would say in about a year from now when I publish my research that's when I can start promoting <laughs> promoting myself again but until then I'm I'm going to stay under the radar and just be a, just be a professional student for a while
1: <laughs> Cool Sounds great. Yeah, you'll have to let me know when that does uh, come closer. I'd love I to will. take a look at it. I will. Well, Corey, thank you so much for joining us today. I really do appreciate it. I've learned a ton. I'm sure the listeners have learned, learned a ton as well. So uh, with that being said, uh, we're, we're all done here. So thank you so much for your time. Uh, again, you. really, really do appreciate it.
0: It was wonderful. It was wonderful to chat with you. I'm glad we got to discuss yep. some That's- very serious topics.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Thanks for listening to this episode of This Week in Salsa. If you enjoyed today's show, I would really appreciate it if you can give us a five star rating on iTunes. And while you're at it, you can subscribe to us on Stitcher, like us on Facebook, and follow at This Week in Salsa on Twitter. And if you have ideas for blog posts, interviews, or if you just want to ask a question, feel free to email me at rob at thisweekinsalsa.com.